and welcome back to another episode of the Rage Podcast. I'm your host, Micaela Parker, and on today's episode, we will be talking to Dr. Ramona Bellatron and the Our Stories, Our Medicines Archives project team through the Graduate School of Social Work. I'm really excited for you all to engage with this great conversation. So without further ado, let's let our guests introduce themselves. May the creator bless all of you. I'm Ramona Beltran. My family is Yaqui and Mexica descendants, originally from Northern Mexico on my mother's side. Anglo-European descent, originally from Northern Ireland and Germany on my father's side. I've just learned this, so I'm getting used to introducing myself this way. And I always introduce all of my ancestors because that's the way that I was taught. You know, it's part of protocol. It's how we introduce ourselves, our legacy, where we come from, where we're going, and also just, you know, so you know who's sitting in front of you and what we come from. So that's me. I identify as mixed race Chicana, and I am also an associate professor in the Graduate School of Social Work here at DU, and briefly my work focuses on historical trauma and healing in indigenous and indigenous Latinx communities with storytelling at the center of that. Thank you so much. Aloha, my name is Tina Hulama. I identify as an indigenous Kanaka Maoli or Native Hawaiian. I am a first year doctoral student at the Graduate School of Social Work. My research area is intersectional discrimination and medical gaslighting in like hospital settings. Hi, my name is Olivia Hunt. She, her gender pronouns. I am also a first year doc student in the Graduate School of Social Work. I am very multi-passioned, and so my research interest varies, but at the center of it, looking at power, privilege, and oppression, and how it shapes our realities within our identities. Hi, my name is Meenok. In Vietnamese, it's pronounced Meenok, and it means beautiful pearl. I am a generation 1.5 Vietnamese American, and currently, somehow a second year <laughs> doctoral student here at the School of Social Work and my research comes from me wanting to merge my background as a mindfulness teacher and scholar with my interest in healing historical trauma in my community, immediate community, and also in broader among immigrants and refugees. So I am trying to be the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Hi again, my name is Blanca Azucena Pacheco. I go by Azucena. I am Shinka in Maya Pokemon descent. And right now I'm a first year postdoctoral fellow with the Graduate School of Social Work in Our Stories, Our Medicine Archives. And my research is at the intersection of public health, community-based research, and what I call like indigenous health sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So working and supporting and advocating for indigenous centered or programming that centers indigenous knowledges of health, healing, illness. All of your work is just so beautiful and interesting to me. It just reminds me how all these things are interconnected. Even talking about health discrimination and the impacts and intersects between indigenous Latinx and black communities and the impacts that people are even seeing across race, class, socioeconomic status, and things of that nature. So I really appreciate different methods of research, specifically in these hyper-white spaces in academia, because it's 
that in itself is so militant to me. Like reclaiming history through stories is what all of our cultures have been doing for so long. Like you were talking about speaking your ancestors into existence through your introduction of self, because that's the only way to introduce oneself is to talk about where you come from which is really beautiful. So thank you all. I love doing this work because I get to be around people like y'all. And I'm like, dang, I must be kind of cool. I'm going to hang out with these folks. <laughs> but moving forward, I wanted to ask, how does storytelling heal historical trauma? I first want to say how grateful I am for our research team because all of these minds and spirits here and all of your ancestors are so incredible and have made our project just so beautiful. Being a part of the project, I think, for me, feels like healing. But specifically, I can talk about what we have found across several of our different projects that people talk about in relation to feeling healed. So we haven't actually measured healing you know, across a long period of time. But there are several things that people have talked about across several of our projects that really come up sort of on repeat. And the first one is that there's something very powerful about being seen and seeing yourself in someone else's story. Mm -hmm. Because within that process of seeing and being seen, we reduce that sense of isolation that we have. Mm -hmm. We realize that what we've gone through, what our ancestors have gone through, is not singular to us. And most importantly, we are not alone. So that's one thing. The second thing that comes up very often is just finding language to name the pain. So being able to find words or terms that describe what you and your ancestors have been through is also healing, right? Because then it also takes it out of our body, it takes it out of our community, it puts it somewhere else so we can have a different relationship to it and we can intervene. So. You know, I gave a talk a long time ago in Aotearoa, New Zealand, about historical trauma and healing. And there was an indigenous woman from the Cook Islands who came up to me after the talk and she said, thank you for giving me words to something I've always known. And that has stuck with me. I've said that story in almost every podcast that I've been a part of because it's such an important story. It's such a good example of what I've heard many times and what people have said across our research projects, just being able to name what has happened and then when we are able to name it, then we can take action, right? Mm. There's no more like social gaslighting when we can say this is a thing and there's empirical evidence that shows this is a thing. Mm. Therefore, we can come up with our own solutions to address this thing. So something really powerful about that. And then the third thing I, I want to share is just the importance of counter-narratives. So being able to really reject mainstream mythology about us and our people and being able to tell our own stories from our own perspectives and, you know, capture how incredibly creative, innovative, future-building, hilarious and eccentric we all are you know we are not a stereotype we are not a homogenous group we are so diverse and we have so many strengths we have so much inherited wisdom and that's important to say too we are not just that historical and intergenerational trauma we are the opposite of that too we are our strengths our joy our liberation and so those are the three things that come up for me 
Yeah, just along those lines, I think a good piece with the counter narrative and like realizing the stories that mainstream society tells and is typically the story of our trauma. I think about for me moving to the US, I'm from the Caribbean island of St. Lucia and I moved to Atlanta, Georgia when I was 10. And so for me, still remembering my racialization process. And I remember in black history, learning about like black history, but it's like the history of the trauma, mm -hmm. right? And so nothing beyond that is told in the textbook. And so when I think about storytelling, being able to hear the stories of joy, hearing the story of reclamation, hearing the stories of persistence, hearing the stories of like remembering. And so when I think about storytelling, and like how it heals historical trauma, it really supports us with being able to see ourselves in our ancestors, um, you know, just learning of our ancestors and knowing that we're more than the pain that we we're forced to endure and being able to hear those stories and like being able to reimagine what's possible because our lives did not start with enslavement, mm -hmm. right? Enslavement kind of disrupted like our mm -hmm. path. And so being able to tell stories of who we were how we were and where we are now and where we have the opportunity to be and like really reimagining possibilities beyond the trauma that is kind of like forced onto our bodies and so i really love storytelling as a point of remembering and reclamation a powerful thing about storytelling is that it's using our own voices, mm. you know, to share our stories, right? To share our histories. And oral tradition, or what is called oral tradition nowadays, mm -hmm. is how, you know, a lot of our communities transmit it knowledge, right? How you transmit it very important knowledge, useful for survival, for example, medicine, but mm -hmm. also how you transmit it joyous, yeah. right? Experiences. And so for me, I feel like. It is an important aspect of our work because it's centering, right, the voices, our voices, the voices of our communities in a settler colonial space that seeks to silence those voices, right? It's important to always acknowledge that not only is this work connecting us to like ancestors, but storytelling is a way to connect us to the past and the future. And it always makes me thankful for the times I've been able to engage with people intentionally because it's always stuck with me. In a lot of spaces, specifically like we were just talking about the settler colonial spaces, it's active resistance because it keeps them alive. I think that's like the coolest thing about existing is that I'm like all the little parts of all the people before me. And so like I get to be here in honor of them. But moving forward, I did want to ask, Our Stories, Our Medicines Archives focuses on themes like animals, health, identity, medicine, land, plants, body, mind, spirit, and artifacts. With your work, Professor Beltron, you discussed the health disparities that impact indigenous communities and the limitations of Western health approaches. And you state that there is empirical research pointing to culture as an important part of reducing trauma and improving health outcomes. Focusing on culture helps us to use our own words and approaches to address health risk. Can you talk more about the important role that community plays in healing? Yeah, I think that storytelling is human. It is everything that we are, really, lives in stories. It is and always has been our most readily available technology, 
and technology for change. Mm. This is how we transmit, right, our information about how to live in right relationship to ourselves, to the planet, to each other. And that in itself is culture. So when I'm referring to the empirical research that's out there, it's emergent. There is not a big body of research pointing to this. But more and more studies are finding that things like cultural traditions, such as dance, relearning your indigenous language, building up social cohesion and relationships that have been disrupted by colonial processes, all of these things are culture, right? And those are some of the ways that we have seen communities working to interrupt that intergenerational transmission of trauma. So in my mind, I think story is culture, is community. They're all interconnected, right? Inextricably linked. So when I think about the role that community plays in healing, well, I think it's everything. You know, from an indigenous perspective, we don't think solely of ourselves, but ourselves in relationship, in relationship to each other, to our ancestors, to the ancestors to come. And so it makes sense then that all of our interventions should be collective. We can be individuals within the collective. I'm not saying that, you know, individuals uh, have, you know, nothing unique or important uh, to contribute or that we shouldn't focus on healing individuals. We have to do it all at the same time. But that to me is also community, right? It's understanding that individuals are part of this intricate network of relationships. And so we need to, in our communities, find our own solutions to each of those kind of aspects and levels of those networks. I just want to ride off of what Dr. Beltran was just saying on the importance of collective healing. I really believe that collective healing and individual healing cannot happen without each other. And in this culture of separation that dominates the U.S., there's so much focus on, okay, you have trauma, you have PTSD, go to talk therapy and focus on yourself. That's fine, but it's not possible to heal yourself without also healing in community because we are not separate beings. We are forever tied to those who came before us and those who will come afterwards. And so you could also say that healing is community and community is healing. Mm. So storytelling could be, to continue the bridge, Mm -hmm. storytelling could be a bridge to community, to create community. Mm -hmm. Often just from my own experience and in the work that I've done and witnessed, migration and colonialism disrupts our connections to each other and makes us feel like we can't be connected. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the key things that you mentioned as far as like community is healing and healing is community, Mm -hmm. I am thinking about the work of the late and great bell hooks Mm -hmm. that talks about healing is not something that happens in isolation. Mm -hmm. Healing, you know, happens in community and the importance of cultivating community to support with that healing, especially in a culture of domination. Going back to Bell Hooks, off of that, Audre Lorde. Mm-hmm. You can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. So like using the ancestral roots that we do have to help solve and create new ways of solving issues for the future. 
we've never not been thinking about the future. Like everything we've yeah. done, even from the beginning, everything is centered about what's next yeah. and like thinking about the people that come next mm -hmm. and building as we climb. And that's why I think solidarity is so important too in this work because we're all fighting the same system and systemic power issues and problems. And so really, you know, talking about community and healing and community is healing. I remembered some of the conversations I've had with Shinka communal feminists. That's how they identify uh -huh, in Guatemala, specifically Lorena Carnal. She's one of the more public figures and she talks about the web of life. And it goes back to what you were talking about, Ramona, like our relations, right? We don't exist in isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a Western, you're a Western construct, right, of life, but that's not how most societies view it, right? So I love this concept of the web of life because within that web of life, we have, you know, our animal relatives, our plant relatives, mm -hmm. you know, we have our ancestors, we have the sun, the moon, and it's just reminding us that healing cannot happen alone. Like, you mm -hmm. cannot heal, right, alone. And she also talks about healing as a cosmopolitical path, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite mm -hmm. concepts that she wow. talks about. Yeah, because it entails like reconnecting or reclaiming our cosmic knowledges, right? Like those connections with our ancestors. But it also has that political component, which is to name and denounce yeah. the historical violence, you know, historical traumas yeah. that our communities have lived through. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's always like one of the most powerful lessons for me because they both have to happen, right, for a lot of us. And I feel like, you know, our oral histories and just our knowledges of healing um, are really necessary for those two components, right, to happen for those two things, yeah. This makes me think of just a really short little story, but I think about this like it's, it's expansive and it's also so intimate. Mm. And this healing also doesn't have to happen in big movements or big mm -hmm. interventions. It can happen in these micro moments. Mm -hmm. And I think about my children all the time. They teach me mm -hmm. all the time about healing. And over the summer, I woke up to hear my daughter who's five and she was singing. And she came into my room after she got out of bed and I was like, I heard you singing. What were you singing? She said, oh, I was just singing a song to the moon. Uh, oh. And I was like, really, what, what, were you, what were you singing to the moon? It was just a song to help it go to sleep. <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, how profound that is because in her five-year-old mind, the moon is her relative. Mm -hmm. And you know, at sunrise, it's time for the moon to go to bed. Mm. She's got this mm. knowledge already. It's mm. part of her history, her legacy. And so it's in these micro moments we can have these healing too, right? Like our generations are born with things that we have had to learn or reclaim. They get to be born with them. Mm. How beautiful is that? Oh, oh so beautiful. Song <laughs> to the moon to help <laughs> I feel like who better than community to heal than community itself. So mm. Ooh, um, yes. for me, health is interconnected in everything we do. And so where I come from, historical trauma is not named back home in Hawaii. That's not a thing that people talk about. I actually learned about it through a webinar through like Harvard, actually. And mm -hmm. so for me, my role here is to, in order for me to learn about healing, I do have to 
learn about what historical trauma is mm -hmm. in order for me to go back to my community and heal them. So I feel like land is important to heal. Mm -hmm. And so if you are displaced, disconnected from land, how are we mm -hmm. supposed to heal? And mm -hmm. so, yes. yeah, I guess that's just kind of my, my thoughts on healing. It's a, yeah. it's a process. Right. And I, but I think it's also acknowledging that it's a process and mm -hmm. acknowledging that there's a lot of work for us to do in order to heal our community and our land. So. I think it's beautiful to always remind ourselves that just as we're changing, so is our healing journey. Mm -hmm. And like, what does it mean to always be in this constant, beautiful dance with life and community as you grow and people around you grow? Mm -hmm. And how beautiful that you get to be one of the teachers now moving forward of healing and helping give that resource to your community. In generations to come, it won't be something that you have to struggle to find everyone will have access to it. And I think that's so beautiful. Like I get to be a vessel of like knowledge for the ones around me, but maybe don't have access to it. And so always being able to connect with people through learning in my own family and community has also been a vessel for healing, at least for me. I love like education and knowledge for that alone because it's made me connect in so many interesting and new dynamics with those around me, but it's expanded even my relationships. Like my mom is the first person to teach me the importance of community because of how much we lacked it where we were. She like knew how fragile community was where we were, specifically in our area with a bunch of affluent white people. And so she was like, build that wherever you can. Like she, that was the one thing she always instilled in me, like importance of community being a vessel of not only healing, but growth and self-development and encouragement. And I just love her so much. She's one of those people where I'm like, man, I'm so glad I'm me. And I'm so glad I have her. Like, because she just like, she's like the first person to love me. And I'm like, dang, mom, I really like me. You know, thank you for loving me. Like, I was a weirdo sometimes. My mom never belittled me. My mom was like, all right, you into that? All right, let's look into it. You know, so. She's your first land. Oh, yes. Country. Oh, mm. oh. That, I don't that does not belong to me. It is a poet, and I cannot remember which poet, but mm. when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. yeah. I that love idea. that. Thank mm. you for that. So moving forward, when I was researching about y'all on the Social Works website, on your profiles, there's a question that's presented. And it's, how do we decolonize a Western history that has centered white voices and marginalized or completely erased indigenous perspectives? And this really made me think about not only the importance of community, but the importance of community-based and community-owned organizations and focused groups like yourself, not only as practitioners for storytelling and research, but also just decentering whiteness and decolonizing historical narratives through storytelling. And so I wanted to ask you, could you talk a little bit more about the importance of our stories, our medicines archive in proximity to those themes specifically in decentering sure. whiteness and decolonizing yeah. these narratives? So the Our Stories, Our Medicine Archive project is working with Native and Indigenous Latinx communities to conduct in-depth oral histories as well as to document cultural artifacts and specifically we're looking at lived experiences related to cultural health knowledge but also just whatever community wants to preserve. Over the course of many projects, over many years, this was a recurrent theme as well, we need our own space. We want to tell our own stories and we are tired of the stories being told about us. Mm -hmm. So this is not even a decentering whiteness 
thing. This right. is not even a decolonial thing. This is mm. right here. We are creating our own world. Mm. We are at the center. We're not doing the work of decentering. We are we at are the center. Mm. And to me, that's about liberation. That's about joy. And, you know, deciding the narrative on our own terms for ourselves, our communities, and like we've all mentioned before, the future generations. I'm just thinking about how good it feels to sit in circle, you know, right now, right here, with all of these beautiful women of color and all of your ancestors that are along with you. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we've created a world mm -hmm. completely separate from what's outside these doors, right? Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. created a world of beauty, of joy, of liberation, just in this moment. And so to me, that is what our Stories, Our Medicine Archive is really about. You know, we are doing research, we are creating an archive where hopefully people can come and they can get answers to their most pressing health needs. They might find some remedies or cures, and maybe they'll be encouraged to seek further health information. That's our hope. And, you know, they'll see people who look like them. They'll hear stories that sound like their stories. So in my mind, we are creating and centering our own world and our own stories outside of, you know, comparing it to others or justifying why we need to center. It just is. Right. Mm -hmm. And that to me is an act of defiance, mm -hmm. right, as well as a healing strategy. I remember I took a class on the idea of space and place mm -hmm. and like how before we came into this space, it was completely different but how we presented ourselves in this space completely changed the place. Mm -hmm. Our mission, the intentionality of this meeting, that, like you said, is an act of resistance and defiance. And I love that, the idea of we created a new world in this space. Yeah, as you were talking, that made me think about, I have watched the documentary, um, I Am Not Your Negro, about James Baldwin mm -hmm. so many times. And like in there, there's a line where the narrator says that, you know, all black people ever wanted was for the white man to get out of his way and the mm -hmm. way of his children. Mm -hmm. And knowing that whiteness continues to center itself, mm -hmm. right? We're not centering it, it yep. continues yeah, to center itself. Yep. Yep. How we are mm -hmm. able to create these portals and just, you know, and just like allow ourselves to be otherworldly, to like dream, to create, to be generative and like really accessing our powers and being very creative around it when there are impositions placed on our beings in the physical world and physical realms that we exist in but like knowing that there are portals that we can enter that evades mm -hmm. whiteness for us to just be because like at the end of the day we want bodily autonomy and knowing that you know this world is not going to give it to us how do we work to create it for ourselves and continue to teach you know those who are going to come after us how to be generative in this way mm -hmm. i love that you know that's yes. very it's so aligned with our methodology which we call a witnessing methodology and it's similar to what we're doing here it is creating another world it is having our own circular space that's relational at its core that's heart-based and you know at the end we always ask people how was this process for you and people have said just being interviewed like this by you i learned something new about myself I feel different, I feel better. And that to me is evidence mm -hmm. of the creation of other worlds. 
and we don't need to decenter. We are creators. Wow. Yeah. I'm just thinking a lot about space right now yeah. and thinking about, you know, your interest in Afrofuturism. Yeah. Like, I guess before in colonial methods, for lack of a better word right now, like these methodologies that we're using right now would be considered moons to a planet, like the alternative. Mm. But we are creating a circle and it's gaining gravity so that what this work is a planet in and of itself. It doesn't need the other planet to exist or to be meaningful. And another thought related to this is that the healing is innate. It's what is storytelling? It is a vessel like a to connect with things that are already very deep. So who's taking notes? Because that is perfect. I mean, I'm taking notes. I took some notes, yes. The methodology papers that we're creating a solar system or a lunar yes. system. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Thank you for that profound statement. Do y'all have any closing remarks or resources that you'd like to extend our audience to better access you and the work that y'all are doing? A quote as an offering. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> I wish I knew who it was by, but it's that uh, there are no facts, only stories. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Another mic yeah. drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope that Osoma, Our Stories Are Missing Archive project, is a place where people feel like they can come and tell their stories and preserve their stories. We are building something that will be completely owned and managed by community members themselves. So if anybody within our communities wants to do any of this documentation and preservation, there are ways that we can make it personalized so it's private or public or anything in between. So we hope that this is a space that people will come to eventually in the future as we're building it. I think, you know, we shared a lot of like juicy things, like very juicy things that has me still excited. And I think for those who are listening and like, you know, if any piece resonated or like supported you with having more questions, I would say just to continue to allow that curiosity to lead you. And I think that's a critical piece in just being and like, you know, witnessing and those sorts of things. Wow. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Oh. I'm wondering, like, one of, sorry. <laughs> well, one of the interview questions that we ask people uh, related to who their family, culture, tribe, community is, is like, who are you and how did you get here? Mm. And a lot of the people who have participated in this project have, like, been so inspired that they go on to ask their own family members, like, more, mm -hmm. maybe leading up to it or afterwards, and just encouraging whoever's listening to this to ask someone that ask mm -hmm. someone that to learn more about your broader story mm -hmm. and see where it takes you back going what Minak just said um, it just reminded me of something that this Maya spiritual guide once told me his name is Don Polo when I was talking to him about like at the very beginning of my kind of research design phase I was sharing with him that I wanted to go back to my community one of my communities to Xinca Pueblo and he actually gave me that advice he was like before you go research anyone start by researching yourself mm. you know research yourself and where you come from you know and I feel like that is just so powerful right I know me too mm -hmm. it was just so powerful because I was like you know I think most of us right mm -hmm. could use that guidance yeah researcher or not I think it, it is very important to really 
kind of go through that reflection and kind of really think about, you know, who am I? Why am I here? I know. You know, and yeah, how do I want to go forward? To know oneself is to be at peace a lot of times. Mm-hmm. To, to know mm-hmm. oneself is to reclaim identity. And it's important. It's a journey. Yes. It's not just like something that you start and stop. It's mm-hmm. lifelong. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> it just makes me love that I get to exist. Like the parts of me I haven't grown to know, I get to know soon. <gasps> And I just love that. Thank you for that. It just reminds me. I'm always on this journey with me and I'm stuck with me. I just wanted to say that I know sometimes when people hear historical trauma or just trauma, it kind of initiates fear. People don't want to learn more about it. But I think for me, just personally, once you can name it, you can reclaim your identity, your indigeneity as well, and your life back too. And so I think just... Don't be afraid of it, right? Just kind of lean into it because there is joy and happiness on the other side of trauma. So, wow. I have one last thing. It encapsulates everything that has been said. I was recently down at a social work conference, social work research conference, and I got to have a little one-on-one time with an amazing feminist scholar who I admire. Her name is Rupalim Buyan. And she shared with me a quote that she heard from somebody (laughs) quoting an Anishinaabe elder. So I can't Mm -hmm. in this moment say exactly who that elder was, Mm -hmm. but I can't, so this is third hand hearing this (laughs) quote. (laughs) But the quote is so powerful. I'm so happy that it's traveled. Mm. The quote is, healing is inevitable. Mm -hmm. I have been sitting with that (laughs) since then. And if there's any space that really is about like indigenous futurism, Afrofuturism, healing is inevitable. Mm. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the whole sound system. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>